Hey guys, and welcome to this uh, edition of IBC Topics. Today, our guests are Dan and Mimi Chang. Hey guys. Hi. Hey Gabe, how's it going? Good, good. Um, so yeah, we always like to just start off with testimonies. Um, and so um, if you guys could just share with us basically how you guys came to faith, um, people that have really impacted you in your spiritual walk. Um, and for Mimi, if you could just talk about how you guys met. And for Dan, um, if you could also include then how you guys ended up at IBC. Okay. Um, so for me, um, growing up, um, I attended Catholic church. Oh. Um, yes. And that was, yeah, my mom was the one that would take us to Catholic church, um, not regularly, but more like on holidays. Um, so that was my first exposure to the church um and so i thought it was very boring <laughs> mass can be very boring um, and i grew up kind of questioning you know is is the bible really real or is it just you know mm. mythology um didn't really believe in it and then in high school i remember getting really turned off by um, hypocritical Christians. Mm -hmm. So I saw a lot of quote unquote Christians who, you know, said they're Christian, but I just saw their life and it didn't seem to match up with mm -hmm. what a proper Christian should be. Mm -hmm. Um, so I remember being turned off by those type of people. Um, so that was my childhood. And then when I went to college, that was when um, my friend would invite me out to Bible study. And I remember, you know, saying, I don't want to go, um, especially because it was an Asian American Bible study. And I was like, no, that reminds me of Christians. Um, but I finally just went. Um, and that was when God's word actually started to, I could see that it was relevant. Mm. Um, and then I started just becoming curious just on my own. Um, so I started going um, and just listening to all the Bible studies. Um, and that was where, yeah, just the Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin and my need for a savior. Um, and I distinctly remember one of the Bible studies was on um, the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, mm. um, just talking about how she had been chasing these waters that will never quench her thirst, but Jesus was offering her salvation. Um, and he, he was the one that told her, you know, if you drink the water I give you, um, you'll be satisfied. Um, so I remember thinking like, oh, wow, like my whole life, I've gone through life, like not knowing what the purpose of my life is. Um, and, um, and before that, I always thought I was a nice person. Um, I was the teacher's pet, you know, good student, rule follower. Mm. Um, but yeah, learning about God and how he was holy and perfect and he looks at my heart, um, not outward behavior. So um, I had to admit that my heart was filled with hatred and bitterness and resentment. Um, and that was when I yeah, decided to um, live for Christ and I became a Christian um, my junior year in college. Um, and then in terms of, um, yeah, people that impacted me, um, just seeing uh, my small group leaders in college and um, seeing their passion for Christ and love for the word of God and their sac sacrificial care for the church really impacted me. Um, that was the first time I had seen people like that. Mm -hmm. They were so different from those Christians that I saw in high school. <laughs> so yeah, that was, that began my journey as a Christian. 
Um, and then in terms of how we met, um, that was at UCLA. We met at church and the campus fellowship. Um, and it was interesting because I had to pray at that time because I knew that Dan was in the Navy. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that was something that I had to kind of struggle through and um, pray about. Like, is this something that I could commit to? Um, and I knew that there was a possibility that he would get deployed. Um, so, but God, you know, he spoke to me then through Joshua about being strong and courageous and that, you know, wherever you go, God will be with you. And I had to trust that God would be with both of us, right? Wherever, wherever he would get deployed, wherever I would be. Um, and yep, that's how we started dating. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, uh, Dan? Okay. Yeah. So uh, my testimony um, grew up essentially going to church. Uh, my family, uh, more so on my dad's side, um, I would say kind of the typical Korean family um, claiming they're Christians. Um, I, I think a few true believers in my on my dad's side, but it was a lot of just typical church going. Mm. Um, and so ever since I remember, I think um, since I was, I mean, maybe kindergarten, you know, we go to church. So me and my sister, uh, we, we'd attend every week. Uh, so it was just is part of just normal living, just every day, just go to church, you know, and, and kind of growing up as a, as the oldest child, uh, you know, I, I always obeying kind of doing the mm -hmm. typical, not living any, not doing anything too crazy. So I was very <laughs> obedient, uh, you know, did very well in school uh, and, you know, did a few sports, did martial arts. So, you know, kind of very typical Asian American kid growing up in, you know, California. And so um, I remember uh, the church I was attending uh, in the Bay Area. Um, I, I essentially went to that church since, you know, from fourth grade all, to, all the way to graduating high school. And so I remember the impact the most impactful people were, I would say, a lot of my old, the older brothers and youth. So youth was all a very significant time mm. in my, I guess, in my faith journey. And so uh, I remember one specific night we were doing a, a youth retreat. It was August 31st, 1998. And so um, we were at uh, Genesis Park. And so I distinctly remember uh, the speaker at that time was speaking on Romans 5.8. Oh. And so... You know, it reads, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so I think at that time, you know, I was eighth grade going into ninth grade. I, you know, a few identity issues. I was very overweight. And so I was always self-conscious, um, you know, growing up, you know, wanting to be accepted by people. And so never really fitting in. And so I always felt um, that I could accomplish things on my own. So, you know, doing well in school or you know, achieving these things, but really realizing that, you know, it, that I am in fact a sinner, that I, you know, I can't claim that I'm, I'm a good person because mm -hmm. deep inside, I know my own heart, you know, and how deceitful it is. And so mm -hmm. um, at that time, you know, we were at a small group, you know, we were doing small group after the message. And so, you know, I kind of confessed to say, yeah, you know, I think, you know, I, I, this whole time I thought I was a good person. So I must be a Christian because I've been going to church but realizing, no, I am in fact a sinner and that mm -hmm. God, he manifested himself and he showed himself, um, you know, by dying for me, you know, while, you know, I was still a sinner. And so that was very impactful, just the message uh, that I heard. And so I made a decision. Uh, they had an altar call. So the church I was going to, they, they have altar call. Mm -hmm. um, so I made the decision, um, you know, to become a Christian at that point. And so, um, and then from there, um, I, I think it kind of typical, uh, growing up, you know, once I made that decision, the ups and downs of, you know, trying to live out my Christian life. Um, and so, you know, coming to college, uh, I went to UCLA and so I continued, um, you know, continued attending, uh, 
the uh, the fellowship. It was the same fellowship that was associated with uh, church up in the Bay Area. Um, that's kind of where, so in high school, I would say ninth grade is really where my faith journey started. And since then, you know, I was, I was pretty faithful in attending, you know, church and, and, you know, doing, uh, doing that. Um, and then specifically for IBC. So as Mimi said, I, 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 uh, was commissioned into the Navy as a Naval officer because I did ROTC in college. And so I knew I was going to be uh, stationed depending on what job. And so, um, for those that don't know, I was a assigned to become a bomb technician in the, in the Navy. So there's a lot of training and, um, there's aspects of, in terms of knowing that I would possibly put, be put into dangerous situations. And so when Mimi was, you know, as she was sharing, uh, that was a vital concern because her parents, you know, what, what parent would allow, you know, would let, you know, would be give the blessing of, you know, their daughter to marry a person who, you know, be deployed, um, you know, possibly go into war. And so that was all uh, valid concerns. And so we really entrusted the Lord with our relationship. Um, a lot of our relationship was um, uh, a lot of long distance. So we dated long distance for a year and a half. Um, I was uh, four months after I got married, I was deployed for seven months. So as a newlywed couple, oh I was goodness. gone. Wow. Um, and then when I joined the, uh, the FBI, uh, I was gone for five months while Mimi was taking care of Annalise. And so there's a lot of, a lot of uh, trust uh, in the Lord and really a lot of mm -hmm. prayers. So um, how interesting how we came to IBC. So I, I came back to LA where I'm, I'm currently still working um, in 2012. So at that time, you know, we were going through, you know, certain issues with the church that we were attending. And so, you know, I knew, I think we were transition. we knew we were going to transition from the church. So I actually happened to just Yelp or Google, you know, expository <laughs> preaching. Are you serious? Um, yeah, oh, I, I Googled crazy. it. Yeah. Wow. And then, you know, I, there was not that many, uh, the uh, search results that came up and I yelped <laughs> churches in L.A., and I actually happened to I happened to uh, go um, see IBC. There's two uh, two Yelp reviews, and so I read it. Mark Choi, uh, for those that know, he's a, a former member of IBC. So I actually read Mark's um, uh, Mark's uh, post review, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is pretty good." Uh, you know, I I, I kind of like something rang true when he was writing what he what he wrote, and so and then I went to IBC's website. Um, and then, uh, you know, I looked at the statement and everything. I was like, oh, this is kind of very similar to, you know, growing up. Uh, we didn't know a lot of the theological terms, just we weren't trained in that way for mm -hmm. our church. Um, and so in terms of expository preaching and stuff like that. Uh, so, uh, you know, I said, hey, and I told Mimi about it. But at that time, uh, Caitlin was just born. And so uh, what I decided was, OK, it was March 31st. Uh, 2013 was our, was my first uh, first Sunday, and so it's very memorable um, because I remember meeting like Henry Lim, Frank Chu, being very welcomed. Mm. Um, it was a little bit different in terms of even like worship, like the music was a little bit different <laughs> coming in. Um, but I, I really enjoyed it because it was kind of uh, a size we were looking for, mm. and then just really being uh, feeling welcomed. Um, uh, and then I remember, distinctly remember going out to lunch with uh, Frank and May, and oh. being invited. So yeah, so it's and really being connected, um, and even through the prayer meetings we had on Sundays. So that's uh, uh, that's how we started coming out, and we've been you know here ever since. So, oh, that's awesome. Oh. Um, I think um, everyone at church kind of uh, knows you guys are one of several families at our church that have uh, adopted. And so how did you guys come to the conclusion that you guys wanted to adopt? And right now you guys are currently fostering. And also like, what does the time frame look like? Like, when did you guys know that you guys wanted to adopt and foster? Um, so for me, uh, foster care and adoption, it was um, something that's always been in the back of my mind. Um, when I was working as a social worker, I worked with several foster children. Um, so I remember listening to the heartache of foster children who were 
only nine years old. Um, and they would tell me they'd been in and out of 10 homes already. Wow. Um, so just listening to that and just the instability of kids in foster care and um, the lack of um, foster parents that um, are loving. And um, so just, yeah, I think that experience for me really impacted me. Um, and I remember thinking, you know, one day I, I want to do foster care or adopt. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, that was me when I was single. Um, and then after we got married, um, you know, I had no idea, but um, uh, I had two nightmare pregnancies. Mm. <laughs> Um, due to hyperemesis, um, which is excessive nausea vomiting. Um, so I lost 15 pounds when I was pregnant with Annalise. Um, you know, went to the ER Christmas Day oh, uh, because of dehydration. And I remember, yeah, they hooked me up to an IV right away and that was when they diagnosed me with hyperemesis um, and the OB had to order home health care for me. So the nurse would come out every week to change my IV. Um, so I just, yeah, I was hooked up to an IV for um, the first trimester for Annalise. And then with, Kate, with Caitlin, my symptoms were actually worse. Um, so I had the IV for even longer um, with Caitlin, it like went into the second trimester and even my third trimester, I had good days and bad days, but the nausea and the vomiting was pretty chronic with Caitlin. So after that, we, we were like, Oh, maybe we should not get pregnant again. <laughs> um, and that was when we started to talk about adoption. Uh, yeah. And so we, thought about it, prayed about it. Um, yeah, it was something that I had always wanted to do. I think for Dan, he had to kind of um, come to that conclusion. Mm. Um, but we attended um, an adoption um, conference at that time at Grace Baptist Church. Um, and we went to a breakout session, um, with a social worker from Holt and she was talking about the situation in Korea and how, because of the cultural stigma in Korea, there are not enough adoptive families mm. coming forward in Korea that are willing to adopt. And so that's why Korea has such a high number of international adoption, mm. um, which is really sad. Um, so our hearts just went out to the orphans in Korea. Um, and we were debating about domestic adoption versus foster care versus international adoption at that time. Um, but we decided to do international adoption because of the permanency. Um, with international adoption, you're guaranteed to have a child come home. Mm. versus with foster care that's not a guarantee so that's how we kind of decided to do international adoption um and then um yeah that was five years ago already that Ethan came home um and then after that I thought we were done <laughs> but <laughs> I guess not um, <laughs> I think, yeah, now that the kids are in school full time, um, you know, I had more time on my hands and I was debating, do I want to go back to work part time? Um, and then it was funny, we watched this movie called Instant Family, um, which is based on a true story about a foster family. And that kind of, I think, brought back my passion for foster care. Um, and then we started to think and pray again. Um, 
yeah, I think I was just kind of like evaluating my life. I'm going to turn 40 in a couple years. <laughs> um, and I was thinking, you know, what do I want to do with my life? And, um, you know, do I want to foster while I am relatively young and while I still have some energy left? <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we were thinking about it. And then we went to another foster care adoption summit. Um, and yeah, that was really impactful for us. Um, and, you know, they were talking about the foster care crisis and how there's not enough foster families that can take in these children. Um, and I remember one of the speakers um, gave kind of an illustration um, said, imagine if someone knocks on your door tonight and says, there's a child right in your neighborhood who doesn't have a home, can you take them in? Um, and I remember thinking, you know, that's so true with foster children. I think a lot of times we, because mm. we don't see them, yeah, right? Yeah. Almost like they're invisible. Um, but just because we don't see them like right in front of our face, it doesn't mean they don't exist, right? Yeah, yeah. Because the numbers are there and they do exist and God cares about them. Um, so, and then um, there's um, a, a blog that I started reading, Jason Johnson, and he's, for, he's a former pastor and a foster dad, and he, um, he's a speaker. He goes out to churches and encourages people to foster and adopt. And um, a lot of what he said resonated with me. And um, I think one thing he said that really spoke to me was that foster care should be um, the church's problem, not the government's. Mm. And I think a lot of times we take it for granted that the government does take care of foster children. Right now, the system that's set up is through the county the county is the one mm. that bears the burden. They're the ones that um, are responsible, right, for these foster children. But shouldn't it be the church? Like this is, I mean, the Bible talks about God's yeah. very specific tender care for the orphan and for the widow. Yeah. And so, yeah, like for me, that was when I was convicted, um, you know, we should be the ones on the front lines. Like we should be the ones caring for these children. So mm. that's kind of how we got started. Uh, the, only thing, the only thing I'll add, I think, um, I, I, I guess specifically talking to, to, I guess, the men is it is, I, I find it when I talk to people or even like the adoptive families, you know, it was amazing that we came to IBC and we actually met. Um, a lot of the adoptive families, and actually before that, I would had I would have never considered adoption. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, it mm -hmm. just would have not crossed my mind because my the old church they had several adoptive families, um, but it was really through interacting with the adoptive families that really kind of caused me to think like, hey, maybe this is you know a calling for us. And I think for men, I do find it that sometimes the like the women are, you know, kind of all in, hey, you know, let's do it. But it's the men that, and for myself, that was a case, very hesitant, like, mm -hmm. I'm all about the numbers, like, oh, we can't afford this. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's gonna, it's, it's gonna be too chaotic. And so I think just encouraging men to, um, to really consider that, you know, this is, you know, an opportunity. And really, just for me, it's been a blessing. And so mm -hmm. I think for me, it took a little bit, a little bit, a lot of prayer, um, but, and for me, it was honestly like the financial aspect um, yeah. was kind of the concern because I was like, how are we going to afford this? <laughs> you know, it's like buying a brand new, you know, brand new car. I mean, it's not, not to equate that, you know, a child is priceless. Right. But in that sense, you're kind of thinking like, oh, can we even go yeah, proceed? Yeah. So it's really, it was, for me, it was really entrusting the Lord in that sense. And I mean, uh, God was, 
faithful and amazing, especially through, you know, the IBC members that helped, you know, allow, you know, helped us in the process too, uh, financially. So um, I think for, for me, it took a little while, um, but those foster care summits really, really helped solidify, I think, our decision to, uh, to go forward with the foster and adoption. So that was the only thing I wanted to add. Mm. So I think when a lot of people think about the adoption process, they kind of think about this really long, uh, drawn-out process that just takes forever and can often be really, really discouraging. Um, so for you guys, from the beginning until now, um, what was the process like? Uh, what spiritual lessons have you guys learned? And also, what has been the most challenging? Okay. So I'm just going to share about um, the process for fostering. Um, so we decided to get certified through KFAM, which is Korean American Family Services. Um, they're actually the one and only agency um, that specializes in the AFFI program, which is the Asian Foster Family Initiative. Um, so they, whenever the county gets a referral for an Asian foster child, they call um, KFAM. So we had heard that the numbers of Asian American foster children, that number has been increasing and that there's not enough Asian foster families available wow. for them. Um, and so that's kind of how we decided to get certified through KFAM mm -hmm. um, because we wanted to yeah, fill that need um, that there is out there right now for um, Asian foster children. Um, so in terms of the process, we had to attend several trainings, get CPR certified. There's multiple interviews, home inspections. Um, I think we started trainings in last October. Um, and then we got officially certified this May. Um, so that was kind of the timeline. Um, and then we got placed with our first foster baby this July. Um, and even before we got our first placement, we actually got um, three calls before that that didn't work out. Um, and there was um, one call that we got for a 10-year-old Korean boy. Um, and the social worker told us that we were the only Korean foster family certified at that time. Um, but we decided to say no to that placement due to his age, um, mm -hmm. since our kids were younger. Um, so that was a hard decision that we had to make. Um, but ultimately, we wanted to protect our kids. Um, and so... Um, yeah, we, we wanted to get placed with a child that was younger. Um, and we did <laughs> in July, we got the call for a newborn, um, baby boy. Um, and he was in the NICU and, um, yeah, it was really very wild because <laughs> you don't know. Like when you're going to get the call, you don't know the gender, you don't know the age, right? Because we said we would do like zero to five. Um, and we only had maybe like a couple of days notice. Um, and then the day of literally like a couple hours before the social worker is like, can you come get him at the hospital? Oh, wow. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> so we had to drop everything. And then I remember... Karen, um, she was so sweet. She got like diapers and bottles for us while we were on the way to the hospital. Cause it's, yeah, it's very last minute, the call that you get. Um, so yeah, that was, the, that was the process. Um, and then in terms of spiritual lessons, um, I think one big thing that God wants us to draw near to brokenness and suffering because that is what he did for us on the cross. 
Um, and yeah, I think a lot of times, and even for myself, there's a lot of fear, um, specifically with foster care because it's so unpredictable. Um, but yeah, the reason why we choose to do this is because of the example that God gave us, right? He's the one that chooses to, to be broken for us, for our sake. Um, and so we can do the same for these children. Um, and just learning that God is sovereign and ultimately in control. Um, we literally had no control over when the baby would come, how old he's going to be. We don't know how long he's going to be in our home. Um, so everything is, is a leap of faith with foster care. Um, and then, yeah, I think the most challenging thing is just the unpredictability. Um, and, you know, getting attached to the baby. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah. Even the kids are so attached to him now um, and not knowing how long he'll be with us. I think that's the hardest part. Um, and the girls will ask, you know, like, oh, are we going to adopt him? When are we going to adopt him? We don't know, right? It's up to the judge. Um, and then, yeah, just having no control um, over the timeline because the initial court hearing has been delayed three times already. Um, and our next court date is in January. So we're just kind of waiting to see what's happen. And um, as foster parents, we have no rights. Um, so when we attend the court hearings, we're not allowed to speak. Oh, wow. we, we just observe. Um, so that's been a really interesting experience. Um, but yeah, I think that's the, I think that's the most challenging thing, like having no control. Um, but the blessing is that we get to have this amazing baby, and he, he's like the sweetest baby. Um, he's been such a blessing this year, especially with 2020 being so crazy. Um, it's been so nice to just have the blessing of taking care of a baby and um, even seeing our kids and their love for the baby. That's been really amazing. Um, and yeah, I think just um, it's an opportunity to trust God and surrender everything um, because we really don't know what's going to happen. Um, but we're trusting that God is the one who cares for the baby and that he will do what's best for him and keep him safe and protect him. Um, yeah, we're just thankful um, for the blessings that it's brought. And then um, kind of focusing on the international side. So I think we shared for one Orphan Sunday, uh, but our adoption timeline, it was... Um, it was very fast. And so I don't think it was, uh, at least it was back in 2014 when we decided after going to the, the adoption summit. So our, our adoption story was very fast. And so even our social worker was like, wow, this is the quickest adoption <laughs> that she had seen. Um, but also with paperwork, we submitted the paperwork like very quickly we got uh, matched with Ethan very quickly. So essentially November, we, Began the process November 17, 2014, so submitted the application, and Ethan came home December 2015. It's about 13 months, which is kind of unheard of. Even mm -hmm. during that time, average time frame is from 18 to 24 months, mm -hmm. and actually closer to 24 months. And now with COVID, um, unfortunately, it's 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 long it's long right now too. Um, and so, really, um, once we kind of knew that adopt international adoption at that time was you know where god was leading us uh there's a lot of paperwork so very similar to foster care i think foster care actually the paperwork is a little more intensive because you're almost uh getting approved to set up like a daycare um so it's a little bit more extensive uh, i would say in terms of background checks 
um, and making sure the home study is, is all approved. Um, but just like foster care, uh, uh, the international adoption, there's a home study. Uh, you actually have to do a psychological eval just because uh, there's some unfortunate cases or uh, there was actually a, a adoptive child that died at the hands of the adoptive parents. Oh, and wow. so uh, that created a lot of political turmoil. And so which resulted in uh, parents re uh, requ being required to take a psychological exam. Um, so what that means is more time and just more money. Um, so, um, but, you know, we were able to, uh, you know, raise funds and, you know, God really provided, I think for me, he really answered uh, so uh, clearly because for us, we needed to actually raise $15,000 and God in his, you know, in his foresight and his, his awesomeness, we actually raised the exact amount of money. Oh, wow. Um, a little bit more. Yeah. And so... Awesome. My big thing was like we need 50, we need this amount of money, and you know, for me, I feel like if we can't do it, then we're not going to be able to go forward. But you know, God was so faithful, um, and it really felt like you know, you know, He did so much for us where we felt you know it was not you know we took that one step, and you know, uh, God you know took a thousand steps towards us, and so um, it was kind of affirmation. So throughout our both our international and and, and foster care. It's really uh, moments reflecting that God uh, tangibly answered our prayers, mm. uh, even in terms of timing, like our certification for foster care happened in May, and we got a call in July. So the timing, you know, really in terms of even the paperwork, uh, there's a lot of paperwork with international adoption because you have to get clearance from uh, U.S. Customs uh, and Immigration Services. Uh, so there's a lot of navigating the paperwork. And so uh, at, at certain points, it kind of felt like we we're just, um, we we're kind of going through the motions. And so until we actually saw, I, when I visited Korea, I had to go twice. Um, it didn't really feel real until we actually saw him. <laughs> so we, uh, we traveled together in October of 2015 to go in front of the judge. And then I traveled by myself to pick Ethan up. Um, and so the reality of, you know, meeting Ethan for the first time kind of hit, hit home for us because mm. it was just pictures and medical reports. And so, um, uh, so that was kind of the process. Um, and uh, just, it, it was, it, we felt like it was really long, but it actually came really fast too, just because we were busy doing a lot of paperwork. And so, um, but, you know, again, kind of to emphasize the biggest thing, really, the kind of the tangible ways that really God answered our prayers, at least for me, financially, too. Um, and and even a concern of like, oh, we don't know if Ethan will bond with us. But immediately when I picked him up, he was immediately bonded to us. And so we we're really thankful just to be able to really experience that with Ethan and just really thankful and really seeing the church come together and really be that support you know, the support for us, my parents, Mimi's parents. And I know that I think a concern for a lot of Asian American couples is the cultural stigma, even as Asian Americans, yeah, where yeah. it's not mm -hmm. uh, really talked about. And actually in Korean culture, it's actually looked down upon. Yeah. Uh, it's blood type and it's kind of that cultural influence, really, even amongst Christian uh, Christian uh, Christians in, within the Asian American, it's, it's interesting mm -hmm that same similar stigma and so but we're thankful that my parents and her, uh, Mimi's parents really kind of we they really overcame it and really accept Ethan and and now the foster baby as as our family so we're really thankful for that um, I think one spiritual um, lesson for me is uh, for both adoption and fostering kind of seeing the gospel um, really tangibly um, I, I guess talking to other foster foster parents and kind of seeing the foster system, really seeing how the gospel, you know, is really shown as Christians, you know, as we see how Jesus, you know, is our advocate and mediator. And uh, Jason Johnson actually has one blog post where he actually, uh, it was his, it was like a final disposition hearing, uh, whether uh, the, his foster child would be adopted to his family so he actually was able to go in front of the judge and mediate for the child on, on, on her behalf. 
and say, and the judge asked, do you believe that it's the child's best interest that, you, that she be separated from biological family and be adopted into yours? And he said, yes. Mm-hmm. And so uh, on that blog post, he, he reflects and, on how Jesus ultimately did that for us. And so it's, oh, yeah. it's in that sense where a foster child, for example, even our foster child, the situation he came out of, if we... If there were, if the foster parents weren't there or foster system wasn't there, the child could literally die. It's almost a death sentence because this child is not wanted by the parents. Yeah. Um, and in, in Korea too, even for international adoption, because the plight is so, the stigma is so strong, you have chi- children being killed or being thrown to the side and tossed. And so in that same way, Jesus really stood on our behalf in front of God and, and justified us, mm-hmm. you know, at, as forgiven and clean and that we are able to have that relationship with God. And so um, I, I really appreciated Jason Johnson. His blog is awesome. And so I encourage anybody who has um, even thoughts of maybe uh, possibly considering foster care or adoption to read his blog, because that was the first time, especially where he mentioned about him, you know, going before the judge and telling, you know, the judge, yes, this child, you know, mm. deserves to live. And it would be best if, uh, they were separated from the biological family and and we adopt him. And so uh, that I think that's the biggest spiritual kind of lesson uh, that I've learned um, kind of through this whole process. And I think most challenging, um, I think for me personally is, I think it was, it was, it, some of it was, at least with Ethan, is a little bit of the bonding. Um, I, I think uh, a lot of parents come come into fostering or adoption kind of idealistically and thinking, oh, I watched, you know, this movie and <laughs> it's going to be perfect, you know, and we're going to be perfect parents and we're going to love mm. this child. And so it's nothing like that. And I think, um, I think the reality is we're, we're sinful, we're sinful, you know, people, yeah. we're not perfect parents, kids aren't perfect. And so I think, but it's through that process where we, uh, we're really sanctified, I think through that process, because it's painful, you know, in terms of even interacting with Ethan, the struggles that he has, because uh, he does have learning delays. And so um, I, I think that was the biggest challenge of not, you know, because we had raised Annalise and Caitlin as our biological children, not to impose some sort of standard or expectation mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, so that's, I think that's been the most challenging in terms of um, being able to navigate shepherding. I think shepherding and whether it's biological or adoptive or foster, I think shepherding is always a challenge for any type of any parent. Mm. Um, so that's, that's um, what I would say is most challenging for me. Mm. Um, yeah. So the, the last part that we have is um, if you guys could just share for like just a couple of minutes, um, just your last words of encouragement to the church. Um, you guys have already shared certain uh, like the blog post that you guys are talking about, but some resources, if, there are other prospective parents that are thinking about adopting or fostering, um, you know, like resources like books, good sermon series or things of that nature. Um, but even outside of that, just Bible verses that have kind of kept you uh, steady during this whole time, certain messages that, you know, we could listen to or podcasts or uh, whatnot. Um, I'll share from Matthew 25, 35 to 40. It says, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, yeah, and it, an encouragement for all of us as we think about God's heart uh, for the needy, for the underprivileged, for the orphan and the widow. Um just for those that are suffering, um, I think that's God's heart. And, um, you know, when I am taking care of our foster baby and 
you know, just feeding him, clothing him, and I see him smile and giggle. Um, it's a joy because um, I can, you know, it's almost like I'm looking into the face of Christ um, in this precious baby. Um, and yeah, that's just, you know, the joy that comes with loving um, the least of these um, as Jesus spoke in these verses. Um, and in terms of, um, yeah, resources, we would encourage people to um, check out like a local adoption foster care summit conferences um, at churches. Um, those have been really helpful for us um, to just hear speakers of, you know, adoptive parents, foster parents, social workers, um, people that are, you know, on the front lines. Um, that was really helpful for us to hear their perspective and God's heart. Um, JasonJohnsonBlog.com. Um, he has a lot of articles, um, gives really great perspectives and insights as a foster dad um, and what Jesus is calling for the church and for the Christian is for foster care and adoption. Um, there's a documentary called Unadopted that's free on YouTube. Um, it was made by a foster um, youth himself um, and this documentary focuses more on foster teens, um, but it really shows you the kind of the sobering reality of foster kids in America. And um, there's a good number of them who never end up getting adopted. Um, they're just in foster care their whole life. And then end up when they get emancipated at age 18, they don't have a family yeah. of their own. Um, so that's just kind of the reality of the foster care crisis in our country. Um, so I would encourage people mm. to watch that, that documentary. And then for me, I think two verses that have been very helpful. Uh, the first is Matthew uh, 25, 21. It reads, his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And so that specific verse, uh, for me, uh, it's, it's sometimes I, I, you know, I'm doing the daily things. I'm, you know, taking care of the foster baby and go, man, I'm just taking care of a baby. I feel like a glorified babysitter. <laughs> but I think in the big picture, you know, as men, we feel like we have to do something grand and, and grandiose and big, right? Something yeah. for Christ, something to go in a blaze of glory. But I think this verse really emphasizes, you know, being faithful. God doesn't, God, God doesn't tell me, oh, I have to be perfect. You know, I have to be the perfect parent. You know, I have to do these, you know, these certain things, but he just calls me to be faithful. And so mm -hmm. I think for just to encourage people that, you know, what does it mean for you as a Christian to be faithful? And it could be in anything, right? It doesn't have to just be adoption or foster care. But for us, I feel, I think with our, um, with our desire, um, and then even our, you know, the, the availability of our home, you know, you know, just being able to utilize the blessings that God has provided and being faithful on that and providing that. And so we felt like we were, you know, it was a good time. A lot of the, a lot of, you know, even for us is, and I think people can relate is, you know, it's never a perfect time. Like, is it the right time? You know, we'll just wait until our mm -hmm. kids get old. Mm -hmm. But I think if God, you know, really imparts that onto your heart. You know, it's really, I think our responsibility to, you know, to answer that because there's a reason why, you know, you're, you know, God is challenging you, you know, whether it's through a message or not. So I think it's just God really calling us to be faithful and then also Galatians 6, 9 always speaks um, really loudly to me is, and let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. I think a lot of parents, you know, now with four kids, I mean, Mimi's a, a you know, superstar. I mean, I go to work and he has to take care of four kids at home. And so it's just amazing how sometimes it feels endless, you know, that, you know, especially with this season of uh, teaching at home, you know, or caring for the kids that, that, 
you know, why, why are we working so hard? But I think, again, kind of related to Matthew, you know, just being faithful, you know, and being committed. And so I think, you know, as words of encouragement is to, uh, for, especially for those that are really considering, and we're so excited when we, when we talk to couples that are considering fostering or adopting, um, and we just get so excited and we really want to share, you know, because there is such a need out there. And it's not that everybody has to foster or adopt, um, but really for those uh, that do uh, have that inkling or that calling to really, uh, we really want to encourage them, you know, to really pursue that. And, and we see that even at IBC and, and those who have left IBC talking to, um, uh, talking to couples that really have shown interest. And I mean, for me personally, it was only because I think because I came to IBC that I really started contemplating adoption. And that's how God really works. I think really through his, his you know, his, the family of God. Um, uh, so, and then the resources, um, uh, like Mimi said, I think with COVID, it's a little challenging, but like the um, Orphan Sunday, like November is usually, uh, um, uh, of the big month, but there are churches, if you just Google, um, I, I, there are churches that are, um, that, that do have these foster cares and it really kind of emphasizes uh, whether it's adoption or foster care, uh, just resources, speakers that really, um, really kind of inform uh, prospective parents that are, are looking into foster or adoption. Um, also for uh, international adoption, they're called the Dropbox. And so oh, that yeah, was yeah. actually, mm -hmm. Um, really, a really good movie for us, uh, for us to watch as well. So we encourage for those that um, are looking into international adoption, um, uh, that movie uh, is really good as well. Mm. Oh, thanks, guys, so much. God bless you guys. Um, thank you so much for doing this. And you know, the funny thing is, um, when Mimi was sharing her testimony about those hypocrites in high school, I was cut to the heart because I think she was talking about me. <laughs> if you guys don't know we, we went to the same high school and uh it's, it's a shame the testimony that i absolutely ruined back then but <laughs> I, was, I was like oh she's talking about me <laughs> but uh thanks guys so much and um for everyone uh thank you so much for listening uh this is the last episode of our very first season so uh we'll be back um, in a couple of months. But uh, thank you guys for listening and uh, God bless and take care. Bye, guys.